The widows mentioned in 1 Kings and in the Gospel were separated by about a thousand years. But that fact does not diminish the equality of suffering they endured. A widow was the most defenseless and vulnerable of all categories of people, so much so that the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, refers to God's love for widows nearly 100 times. A widow's best hope to obtain some measure of security, if she was young enough, was to secure another marriage as fast as possible. The next possible solution was in her children, preferably her sons, who would be able to provide food and shelter for her in her old age. If she had daughters, she could only hope that their husbands would allow her to stay in their families. If there were no children, she relied on support from her family, knowing she was a burden and an extra mouth to feed, and in most cases, she was kicked out of her family. Her last option was to beg, relying on the charity of others. What makes the widow in 1 Kings unique, however, was she was not an Israelite. She was from the area Zarephath, in Phoenician territory meaning she was most likely a pagan, not of the chosen people. And this tells us that God's concern for the most defenseless transcends religion and race. In the reading from 1 Kings, Elijah declared there would be a drought to ravage the land for three years. This was in response to King Ahab's sins. We are told in chapter 16, verse 33, Ahab did more to provoke the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, than had all the kings of Israel who were before him. Well, I tell you what, you read 1 Kings, and considering all the evils the previous kings committed against God, Ahab had to have been in a class all by himself. The drought obviously created great suffering in the kingdom, especially for the most vulnerable, like widows. But notice the charity of this widow, this pagan widow. Despite her suffering, and despite having to watch the suffering of her only hope, her son. When Elijah asked her to bring him some water, she was happy to do so. She would not allow her poverty, her misery, to excuse her from offering hospitality to strangers. And when Elijah pressed her for some bread, she was blunt. There was only a little flour and a little oil left to make what was called in those days a hearth cake. But she would give him some. She knew this would be the last meal she and her son would have, and she was resigned to the reality that, like so many others in her country, they would die soon from starvation. Her charity, however, was rewarded with God's promise through Elijah that the jar of flour would not go empty, the jug of oil would not run dry until the drought was over. They would live. They would have hope. In our Gospel reading, Jesus goes on to a two-pronged attack 
against the scribes and those who contributed to the temple treasury from their abundance. Recall that last weekend's gospel showed a scribe and Jesus acting with goodwill toward one another. In fact, Jesus said to the scribe, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Jesus, however, saw some fundamental weakness in the scribes. And I would argue by extension, he sees a fundamental weakness among the clergy of all churches, among the clergy of all religions. Not allowed to receive payment for teaching, scribes tended to latch themselves onto wealthy widows, making themselves part of the home, the household, and they charged exorbitant fees for their advice and their legal services and for composing lengthy prayers that did nothing for the widow but drew attention to themselves. It was thought in Jesus' day to be a meritorious act rewarded by God to support a scribe. The danger then, the danger today, with the clergy of any church or religion, is that it's very easy to abuse religion for personal gain, to enjoy all the perks and the trappings of religious office, but in the process, stop serving God and his people. The second group Jesus went after were those who put large sums of money in the temple treasury. There would have been, at that time, in the temple courtyard next to the treasury, 13 large trumpet-shaped treasure chests. They would probably go from about the floor right up to that beam. And there would have been a ladder, you would just go on around and you'd just drop stuff in the top. And what would happen, there would be a sign on each of the 13 trumpet-shaped treasury chests of where the donation was going to go. And the money used at that time, of course, was what? What? Traveler's checks? <laughs> Coins! Coins! And the more coins one dropped in, especially the larger, the heavier coins made of gold, what would happen? It would make a huge noise. And a large donation by a rich person, the sound would reverberate throughout the courtyard. And everyone would turn and say, oh, didn't he give a large donation? Jesus was quick to tell his apostles that those people contributed from their surplus wealth and, they con and contrasted their contribution with that of a widow who put in two small coins worth a few cents. Now, no one would have expected her to give anything. And the two coins wouldn't have made a sound at all. I doubt anyone paid any attention to her, except Jesus, the Son of God. No act of love, however secret, however humble, goes unnoticed. She chose to offer what little she had, what might have been enough to buy a little bit of bread for her evening meal. Still, she cho chose to donate it. 
She says Jesus gave out of her poverty. And therefore she gave more than all the rich put together. What both accounts compel us to consider is that God sees things from a divine logic that overturns ours. Keenly aware of the circumstances we are in, the suffering we endure, he is attentive to the acts of charity and love that transcend the suffering. The accounts convey a simple truth. Poverty, whatever form it may take, and there are many forms of poverty, is not an impediment to hope. It is not an impediment to acts of charity. And every act of hope, despite the severest circumstances, and every act of charity, when one would have a legitimate right to cling to what little one has, is precious to God. It does not go unnoticed, nor does it go unrewarded.